You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Shortly after midnight on April 15, 1912, the radio operator on the RMS Carpathia, Harold Cottom, started to prepare the end of his shift. The 21-year-old had already worked almost 30 minutes past his quitting time and was wrapping up a few stray tasks when he received some messages meant for the RMS Titanic. Cottom jotted the messages down and sent them to the Titanic's operators. He was, of course, completely unaware that just 58 miles away, the Titanic was rapidly sinking into the frigid waters of the North Atlantic. In fact, the Titanic had already sent several frantic messages to the Carpathia after hitting the iceberg, but Cottom happened to be on the bridge at the time and never saw them come in. So he was shocked when, after relaying those messages to the Titanic, the ship's radio operator replied not with a thank you, but with a desperate plea for help. The heart-stopping message he received back read simply, quote, We have struck ice. Come at once. Unquote. By the time the RMS Carpathia reached the Titanic three and a half hours later, it was almost too late. The unsinkable ship had sunk, and hundreds of desperate survivors were huddled in lifeboats in the pitch-black, ice-cold dead of night. The crew aboard the Carpathia was able to fish 700 people out of the frigid water, administer medical aid and warm drinks to the shocked survivors, and ferry them to safety in New York City. Soon after the Carpathia's dramatic rescue of the survivors, the world began to hear about the Titanic for the first time. Thousands of people awaited the ship's arrival in New York, hoping for good news about their loved ones, and millions around the world listened with shock and fascination as stories poured in about both the heroism and tragedy in the ship's final moments. From the rescue, to the media frenzy, to the contentious inquest, the events that unfolded after the Titanic sank are some of the doomed ship's most dramatic and poignant. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All This Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All This Interesting staff writer Kalina Fraga. Today, we're continuing our six-part series on the sinking of the RMS Titanic. This is the Titanic Part 5, the aftermath of history's most infamous sinking. The final chapter in the Titanic's descent into the North Atlantic began not aboard the Titanic, but instead more than 50 miles away on the RMS Carpathia. That ship, sailing with the Cunard Line, the chief rival of the Titanic's White Star Line, was a few days into its voyage from New York City to Austria-Hungary when its young radio operator, Harold Cottom, made a fateful decision. Instead of going to bed as he planned, Cottom ended up receiving a number of messages meant for the Titanic and decided to pass them on. I say, old man, caught a message the Titanic radio operators. Do you know there's a lot of traffic for you at Cape Cod? To Cottom's surprise, the Titanic replied with a desperate message, saying, quote, We are sinking. Come at once. This is CQD, old man, unquote. The message was a harrowing one. CQD meant all stations distress. 
and meant that the Titanic was in deep trouble. Cottam didn't know it, but the Titanic radio operators Jack Phillips and his assistant Harold Bride had been sending CQD and SOS distress messages to anyone who would listen as soon as their ship started taking on water about 45 minutes before. It was difficult, painstaking work, since the operators could only send or receive one message at a time. Amateur radio operators interfered with their signals, and every pointless question they received only slowed down the process. What's more, their messages hadn't even reached the ship closest to them, the Californian, which was just 20 miles away from the Titanic when it hit the iceberg, because its radio operator had gone to sleep. Fortuitously, however, Cottom hadn't yet gone to bed, and when he got the Titanic's desperate reply, he quickly sounded the alarm, rushing to the bridge and telling the senior officer on duty what he'd heard. But the officer was skeptical and slow to act. This was possibly because radio technology was still new, and the officer may have believed that Cottom had misheard the message. Plus, the Titanic had a sterling reputation. Who would believe that disaster had struck the unsinkable ship? Determined to sound the alarm, Cottom dashed below deck and woke the captain, Arthur Rostron. Unlike other members of the Carpathia crew, Rostron took Cottom's announcement seriously. The captain quickly got dressed and took command. The Carpathia was 58 miles and three and a half hours away from the Titanic, so Rostron ordered the ship to operate at top speed. It usually sailed at around 14 knots, but the Carpathia raced the North Atlantic at 17 knots that night, a speed so intense that the ship's styles veered into the red. The ship's chief engineer allegedly dropped a cloth over the speed dial so that no one would see. But sailing at top speed wasn't the only danger that the Carpathia faced. It also had to dodge icebergs like the one that had doomed the Titanic. Yet, somehow, the Carpathia made it through. According to Rostrin, some of the icebergs towered 200 feet above water level. He later said, quote, I can only conclude another hand than mine was on the helm, unquote. Throughout the harrowing journey, the crew of the Carpathia readied the ship to rescue as many people as possible. Rostrin dispatched orders to prepare lifeboats, assemble the ship's doctors, and set up public spaces with blankets and warm drinks for anyone they managed to rescue. All the while, Cottam remained in touch with Phillips, who would perish, and Bride, who would survive, helping them to send distress signals to other vessels. The last message Cottam received from Phillips read, quote, Come quick, our engine room is flooded up to the boilers, unquote. At around 4 a.m., the Carpathia finally reached the Titanic's last known coordinates, though, of course, by then, the Titanic was far beneath the surface of the sea. Rostrin later described the gut-wrenching scene, saying, quote, Devoutly thankful I was the long race was over, but with that feeling was the veritable ache which the now certain knowledge of the liner's loss brought. No sign of her, and below was the first boat containing survivors, unquote. Rostron's second officer, James Bissett, was likewise thunderstruck. In describing the airy scene, he later said, quote, On all sides, we could see lifeboats making laboriously toward us, some dangerously overcrowded, some half-empty. A mile away, there was a mass of wreckage, like an island, marking the spot where the Titanic had gone down, unquote. In that moment, those aboard the Carpathia realized that the unthinkable had happened. The Titanic, the so-called unsinkable ship, had been defeated by the sea. As Bissett later wrote, quote, It should not have happened, but it did. I hurried on deck, saw great icebergs about, and looking over the railing saw some fifteen rowboats approaching us, full chiefly of women. These were drawn up on board and passed us by, most of them so stiff with cold and wet 
that they could not walk without being supported. Stanton Coit, first-class Carpathia passenger living in London, England. Just ten minutes after the Carpathia's arrival, the ship began bringing lifeboats filled with Titanic survivors on board. They included Eugene Daly, an Irishman found unconscious after he jumped into the frigid waters during the Titanic sinking, Arnoris Williams, a young tennis player whose legs had frozen, Bride, the radio operator whose feet were badly frozen, and Molly Brown, a Colorado socialite who swiftly took control of some of the rescue operations. Brown, later dubbed unsinkable, passed out blankets, used her skill with multiple languages to communicate with Titanic passengers who couldn't speak English, and pressed the first-class survivors to donate money for the others, many of whom had lost everything in the sinking. She labored alongside the crew of the Carpathia and its passengers to bring the 706 Titanic survivors on board, doubling the number of people on the ship. Medical aid was administered to passengers like Williams, who steadfastly refused a doctor's recommendation of amputation because it would have meant the end of his tennis career, and warm drinks were given to passengers like Daly, who were traumatized by what they'd seen. Daly cried, quote, My God, if I could only forget. My God, if I could only forget those women's cries, unquote. Indeed, many of the survivors were in a state of shock and grief. Women who'd boarded the lifeboat soon learned that they'd lost sons and husbands. The extinction of hope came as a shock too terrible for the relief of weeping. The minds of the bereaved were numbed. There were no words that could comfort them. Anguish was silent. There was no hysteria. There was only a pall of unutterable grief and a dazed staring from the eyes of bewildered incredulity. Carpathia Second Officer James Bissett. They weren't the only ones in shock. Bruce Ismay, the White Star Line executive who survived the sinking, was practically hysterical. He was given sedatives and put to bed, and a second officer, Charles Lightoller, later said, quote, Mr. Ismay did not seem to me to be in a mental condition to finally decide anything. I tried my utmost to rouse Mr. Ismay, for he was obsessed with the idea and kept repeating that he ought to have gone down with the ship, unquote. Meanwhile, other ships began to arrive on the scene, including the Californian. The actions of the Californian's crew were later heavily scrutinized when it came out that they'd seen the Titanic's emergency flares and done nothing. Apparently, the captain thought that the Titanic was just having a party. The ship didn't react to the emergency until its radio operator woke up around 5 a.m. and heard the Titanic's distress signals, much too late to save anyone. Indeed, aside from the 706 people pulled from the water by the Carpathia, other ships found no more Titanic survivors. One ship, the McKay Bennett, sailed to the scene from Halifax, over 800 miles away, and fished more than 300 dead bodies out of the frigid water, including a 19-month-old boy that someone had dressed in four layers of clothing in a desperate attempt to save him from the cold. In the end, the McKay Bennett picked up so many bodies that it had to leave a hundred in the water because the ship had simply run out of embalming fluid. By that point, the Carpathia had made it to New York City, where thousands of the Titanic passengers' loved ones and friends had gathered anxiously to wait for the survivors' arrival, having no idea who would be among the rescued and who would not.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As news of the Titanic sinking and the dramatic rescue of its survivors spread, scores of stories about its passengers emerged. There was the young stewardess, Violet Jessup, who, the year before, had been aboard the Titanic's sister ship, Olympic, when it narrowly avoided disaster after colliding with the HMS Hawk. Incredibly, Jessup would also encounter disaster while on the Titanic's other sister ship, the Britannic, in 1916. Working as a nurse during World War I, she was aboard the ship when it collided with a German mine, and barely escaped with her life. There was also nine-week-old Milvinia Dean, later identified as the ship's youngest survivor. Dean had been ensteered with her parents and her two-year-old brother when the Titanic hit the iceberg, and she survived the sinking after she was lowered into a lifeboat tucked into a mailbag. Dean's mother and brother survived, though her father perished. Meanwhile, some of the most intense media attention focused on two young, unidentified boys, dubbed the quote-unquote Titanic orphans, who had been sailing under false names Lewis and Lola. It eventually emerged that the boys' parents had gotten divorced, and that their father had attempted to spirit them away to the United States from France. He died during the sinking, which might have left them forever orphaned, had their mother not happened to see the boys' photograph in the newspaper and recognize them as her own. She soon identified them as Michel and Edmund Navratil and set sail for the United States to take them back. However, many of the newspaper's stories following the Titanic sinking focus on the White Star Line and Bruce Ismay himself, who was dubbed a coward in the press. Some journalists even made a play on words with his name, calling him D-apostrophe-Ismay, or Dismay. Indeed, subsequent inquiries into the Titanic sinking looked closely at both Ismay's actions and the actions of the ship's captain, Edward Smith. Two investigations, one American and the other British, found that factors that led to the Titanic disaster included the ship's speed, its dismissal of iceberg warnings, and the lack of lifeboats on board. The conduct of Smith, however, was defended by his second officer, Charles Lightoller, and the British inquiry found that while he had made mistakes, the captain was not guilty of negligence. Ismay, the same inquiry declared, would have simply become another Titanic casualty had he not jumped in a lifeboat as the ship sank. Most of the investigation's ire was reserved instead for the captain of the Californian, Stanley Lord, who the investigators determined could have likely saved many lives if he had sailed to the Titanic's aid after seeing its rocket flares. Instead, Lord had dismissed the flares of the ship signaling another White Star Line vessel or even the after-effects of a party. The investigation suggested a number of new rules to make sure that something like the Titanic disaster never happened again. They included requiring ships to have enough lifeboats for all passengers and to maintain a 24-hour radio watch, two things that would have minimized the loss of life on the Titanic. In the end, it took more than an iceberg to turn the Titanic into a tragedy. Things could have been different if warnings about icebergs had been heeded. Fewer people would have died if the ship had had more lifeboats and if the crew was better prepared to dispatch them. Likewise, lives would have been saved if the Californian's radio operator had stayed at his post just a few minutes longer, and the Californian's captain could have been the story's hero, and not its villain, if he hadn't dismissed the warnings of the Titanic's flares. 
painful questions like these, the what-ifs of history, have helped feed the world's long-standing fascination with the Titanic. But the ship's story didn't end when it disappeared into the North Atlantic. Instead, the tragic sinking launched a decades-long attempt to find the Titanic's ruins, which we'll get into next time. Tune in for the final episode in our series, The Titanic Part 6, The Enduring Legacy of the Doomed Ship, where we'll discuss the 1985 discovery of the wreck of the Titanic, the fact and fiction behind the classic 1997 film Titanic, and more. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029 or email us at podcast at allthatsinteresting.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.